I'll be reading from uh, uh, several passages in Luke this morning, from page 5. Uh, we'll um, be doing um, four weeks on uh, Advent and Jesus' birth. Um, and so I'll start with the first passage there, and uh, I'll read the first three passages. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name of John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will bring back to the Lord their God. He will bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. When his time of service was completed, he returned home after his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, senior pastor at Christ Central Church, and we're going to begin our four-week sermon series. And uh, what we decided to do... Um, for this sermon series is to look at characters in the Bible story or the Christmas story that aren't what we would describe as the main characters. Today we're going to look at Elizabeth and her story and her place in this uh, birth narrative, the birth narrative of Jesus Christ. I'm going to have to say when I read the story, I began to think something strange is in the water in Israel around the time of Jesus' birth. Strange because when you consider the story of Elizabeth and her old husband, Zacharias, in a time where there is no Viagra, there's no Cialis, there's no artificial insemination of fertility drugs or test tube babies, and in less than a year, two distant cousins. One an old woman, she and her husband being too old to be having children, and a teenage Virgin come up pregnant. Something strange is in the water. And these two women must have dipped out of the same well. Though we need not call Scully and Mulder on the case, there has definitely been some sort of invasion. The Bible tells us that God invaded Elizabeth's life with what can be best described as a gift. A blessing from God for a woman who wanted nothing more than, than to be a mother. And then six months later, the same things happened, the same thing happens to a more famous character, Mary, a, an invasion, an alien blessing, a gift. But in this, the life and story of Elizabeth, we see that there is a gift. A gift for Mary, 
One blessed to give birth to Jesus. Elizabeth's story and experience is a gift for us all in some way. Her story, her words, her experience is a gift for the gifted. Did you ever consider that profanity and praise are in the same camp? Well, yeah, they are. I mean, when it comes down to giftedness, someone's ability, someone's capabilities, especially in our replay ESPN culture, when someone dunks over somebody else in replay or someone catches a a one-handed pass or it's played in slow motion, let's be honest, woo-hoo is not the highest praise. When people are awesome, They're not just good. Everyone in the room has some kind of cuss factor in their lives that whether it is foremost in their lives, we have something or or can do something that can get the highest praise in the vulgar tongue. Some of you are artists. Some of you are musicians. Others of you are good at making numbers on a page make sense. Some of you can throw the the best party. Some of you are the party or the life of the party. Some of you are the class clowns extraordinaire. Some of you love or care for a group of people that others have forgotten. Some of you have been soldiers, troopers through hard times. As I I hear some of your stories, you have endured things that 99% of us in this room would have cracked under. Some of you just, you just look good. Some of you have good fashion sense. Some of you are smart. Some of you are stable and strong. Some of you are disciplined and organized and ordered. And some are easygoing and fancy free. And and some of you have money. And some of you had good jobs. And some of you have life filled with awesome and engaging stories. Some of you had a good family. Some of you have virginity in some area, never touched drugs or alcohol or been abused. But but whether you cover it up or it's obvious, we all are gifted in some way. And this Christmas season, I ask, what gift is there for your giftedness? What lessons, what relief, what guidance, what directions come with what you have just gotten under the proverbial Christmas tree? What you have unwrapped and discovered about you and yourself and what is yours? In this Christmas story, it is Elizabeth's and her experience that is a gift to Mary, one who is extremely Gifted. Elizabeth's obscure place in the story becomes a God-given gift again for us all. Let me go ahead and set this story's context. This teenage girl is visited by an angel one day. And the angel says to her, you are going to be the mother of God's son. And this teenage girl looks around and she wonders, what in the world is going on? This can't be happening to me. And so the angel also tells her that Elizabeth, her older cousin, has all this something crazy's happened to her too. She's old and she's already six months pregnant. And so what does Mary do? She says, I need to get over there to this old. I need some help, y'all. 
I mean, I've seen it happen in this church. One of y'all come up with a baby. One of y'all come up pregnant. about to have children. Oh, girl. Oh, I can't believe it. Kelly was like when she when she first had Harrison, all she wanted was her sisters and her mothers around. And when I see y'all in there, when y'all get together, you know, as a man, I'm happy. I'm excited, too. But it's something about y'all ladies when y'all have kids. And, oh, 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 look at you. Oh, baby. So you can imagine this this girl. And let me tell you, this is a desperate situation she has this great thing happening to her and the bible says she takes off for elizabeth's home now let me tell you this is not like in this day it wasn't like she could get a plane ticket get on a plane and travel she had to get on the road and travel with these groups of people just happening to be going in the right direction she was on the greyhound bus no she was worse than that she was on trailways going home desperate Needing some guidance in what has happened to her. Needing some help in her giftedness. And the Lord provides for her in the person of Elizabeth. And Elizabeth does exactly what happens to some of you in here. Mary, oh girl. And you could just I remember when Kelly was working at the, a pediatric office in Baltimore. There were like three pregnant ladies at one time. It was just so funny. I mean, everybody's like out to here and they're all trying to walk around this counter. Oh, girl, I like what's going on with you. And, and they're just trying to get by each other. And, I mean, I could just see, you know, Elizabeth. I mean, Mary isn't showing yet, but I can see Elizabeth. Oh, girl, this old lady sticking out six months, you know, starting to show. And they're hugging each other and they're excited. And Mary's like, I'm just a teenager and I'm going to bear Jesus. God's son has come. Girl, help me. Give me some direction. I need some guidance. And and, and Elizabeth glows for Mary. It, It is a place where Mary begins to understand better from Elizabeth what it means to be gifted in the way she was. The greatest fear I had, and many of you had when you were a kid, was the bag of switches. Remember your grandmama used to say, well, my grandma used to say anyway, boy, if you don't act right, you're going to go into that Christmas tree. Ain't going to be no gifts there. No bicycle, no skateboard, no G.I. Joe. You're going to get a bag of switches. I just give me vision in your mind. I, I had these, these little weeds that, that grew in the dunes of Charleston. That was my vision of switches. This bag of Wild weeds in this. I, I just, I just knew it was going to happen to me one day. She said that. I immediately began to play this tape recorder in my mind, and I'm like, I'm getting the switches this year. There's no way I'm getting the toys. And you know, and and, and I, I tell this story every year. So next Christmas, get ready to hear it again. The Christmas, my parents forgot to put the toys out, and I was older. But Joel was younger and Terrence was in between. And so, you know, you're staying up all night waiting till you're watching the clock. Two o'clock. Crap. Go to bed. Three o'clock. Because you're just so excited to get downstairs to open your toys under the Christmas tree. And so it finally hit five in the morning. Daddy said, can't go downstairs before five o'clock. So it's five o'clock. Joel runs downstairs and we're looking. No toys. And I was like. You know me. Woo, I loved it. 
It was my opportunity to do the worst teasing I could ever do in my life. And I went to Joel, oh, you were bad. I told you. You weren't good this year. You get nothing. Good day, sir. It was Willy Wonka. You know, good day, sir. You get nothing. You broke the rules. You drank fizzy lifting. Oh, okay, I'm gonna something else. No. But it, it was it was what he says. And man, he was crying. Oh, no, it isn't. I got the toys. I'm like, no. You messed up. And the thing that really made the teasing work is that somewhere deep in all our hearts and minds, we know we don't deserve the gifts that we get. We've not earned them. And we we all have been given what we have not deserved. And Elizabeth knows this and is able to communicate it to Mary. Her story was she was barren and she was going to church and she even went to Sunday school and went to small group and she read all the devotional books and she still didn't get a baby. And the Bible basically says, here is someone, if anyone should deserve it, Elizabeth should deserve deserve it. But God gave her a child in a way that said, the Lord blessed you. It wasn't something you earned. It wasn't something you deserve. In other words, all that we have been giving all our giftedness is because God has chosen to bless you. Not because we have been good enough to deserve it. But especially in our world, we live in a day, we don't believe that to be true. You and I, we've worked hard to be all that we could be. We weren't like the other kids. We were smart. We studied. They were playing video games. We were reading our books. We deserve what we have gotten. We don't believe that truth. We have this question in our ordination. You know, when you're ordained in the PCA, you have your written exam, and then you have your oral exams. And at the oral exams, they ask you questions about creation. And one hot-button issue in creation is they want to know whether you believe that the earth was created in six literal days or whether the earth was created in six seasons or epochs or, or, or progressions in six sections, whatever. And so, now, you might have some problem based on the presser you're in if you answer six Epochs, six seasons, whatever, not six literal 24-hour days. You might have some problems. Now, you might have to write a paper. You might have, you might be a big argument for a long time. But the one thing you, that will be sure that you have to wait till next year or wait or never get ordained is if you communicate that the world was not created out of nothing. There's a fancy word for it called ex nihilo. That God, whether it was done in six days or six seasons or six epochs, the Lord created all that we have out of nothing. He called it to be. But here's what it means. It means that God created. He wasn't given the creational Legos by Mattel. He wasn't given an instruction book by a tutor or money to go out and buy a cosmic construction equipment set or get a credit card at Universe Depot. No, he made the world out of nothing because he is God. And you and me, we aren't. Which means there is no such thing as being or becoming or working hard enough to be the ex nihilo source and substance of all you are and all you do well. No one earns something out of nothing because something, because something, or something from nothing. Somebody had to give you the clay to become a great sculptor. 
or had your parents had the money to buy a good tar or you had the time to give or had the time to get your lessons and you just so happen to be in a school district with what so happens to have been the right teacher in the right subject looking at you at the right time to bring you along and introduce you or, or you so happen to have a father or a mother or not have a father, or not have a mother. But however your giftedness developed, your talent came to be, was only earned out of what has been given somewhere along the way by God's blessing. And we forget that. When we take for granted or lie to ourselves about what has been given. You know, we think, yeah, we own a home, we worked hard. Some of us, it's it's a family tradition. Don't you know, some people don't even have it in their minds that they would ever own a home because their whole lives have been about renting. It just doesn't even enter. It isn't a family idea. What a blessing that you grew up among homeowners. Some of you didn't get hooked on alcohol, though you were partying just as hard. Or you got the one answer right that you guessed at that got you into the accelerated class. You were born the right color. Or maybe you were born the wrong color. Or the right sex. Or the wrong sex. You, and, and some of you, you get to go to college. I don't know. Some, sometimes I'm not thinking of in, in, in certain uh, um, socioeconomic uh, circles, we think college is a given. It's a right. It's something you've earned. It's something you do. You know, your parents can pay for it or or you have been able to get a loan to go or, you know, you have the heart and mind on still value to go. You know, you better start looking at your grades and yourself in a different light. It was a blessing somewhere that God gave you that gave you the opportunity. Even the opportunity to be pompous about all that you feel you've earned. Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed is she. As soon as she heard, the, excuse me, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed to Mary, blessed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Mary, don't you understand in your giftedness? Don't get it twisted. You haven't earned it. You haven't deserved it. It wasn't because you, you know, you're the perfect one. God has chosen to gift you in this way. My mama used to tell me, my grandmother used to say this. How did we make it in such a racist time? My all of my sister, all my mom, my mom and all her siblings went to college. Now, don't ask me how it happened. I don't know. Somehow they, they all got through master's degrees. Some it's just it's just amazing story from, from parents. Nobody before them ever went to college. It's not even a shot. And my grandmama said this. And I hate that I hear the story. She would say, you know how we made it? Hard work and the help of a good white woman. I'm like, crap, no. Just say hard work. <laughs> we don't need a white woman in there. It's, it's a reality, a humbling reality to know that your giftedness, what you get praise about, what you're good at, 
is only is not something you have ultimately deserved. But a humbling reality is that God has blessed you. And Elizabeth says this to Mary, you are and will become who you are, the mother of my Lord. And I am in the story and such only because God has started an unwarranted, unearned, undeserved, unthought of by me or you chain reaction of blessing and called us to live and act upon and in that blessing. One of the first sermons I heard when I went to Covenant Seminary was preached by a pastor, uh, J. Render Keynes. And uh, he said this. Now, you got to understand covenant. Everybody in there think they're good. That's right. Most people. You know, they, oh, man, they're going to be smart. They're going to be the stuff. I mean, they're just intellectual kind of environment. And he got up and he said, some of you in here will struggle. You know, you can't, you can't you, you, you're not good at getting the Greek and the Hebrew. You, you won't be the best preacher in your class. God bless you. And he says, some of you, ooh, you gifted. You got it going on. He didn't say you got it going on, but you get the point. You, you're going to get all A's and, and you'll be at the top of your class and others will, will think you're the greatest. You'll get top jobs. And he said, God have mercy on you. He communicated that, 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 that why a need for mercy? Because having a gift can not only be a blessing, but a burden. It can cause all kind of trouble in your life. I mean, think about this teenage pregnant woman. Think about this pregnant old lady in the story. You ever wonder if Superman and Batman and the Hulk are happy? I used to think, if I could fly, I'd be happy, boy. I'd be happy. Woohoo! If I could fly, I mean, man, Terrence played the, um, the Superman intro, like the, the, the trailer for the new Superman movie. We, me and Mari and Terrence were in the room jumping up and singing it and conducting it. I mean, it was just so awesome. Superman, you will save the world. And they have this picture, zoom, boom, and we hit the Earth's atmosphere. It's this explosion, dawn, da, da, da. I mean, it's just great. And I'm thinking, man, if I was a superhero, I would be happy. But if you thought about it, Superman, Batman, and Hulk, they ain't happy. Because they're gifted. Superman, help me over here. Help me, Superman, Batman. Batman, we need you right now. This is the commissioner. Them guys ain't happy. And I mean, amazing. And here's the terrible thing. They're so gifted, you know what's going to happen. The meanest villains in the world, who are they going to go for? Superman and Batman, always trying to tie them up. Always trying to put kryptonite around the neck. Always trying. Ah, man, remember the reporter? See, I, I like the band, the, the Hulk that used to come on TV at 7, 8 o'clock on Friday night. That reporter got on my nerves. I mean, come on, this is the Hulk. You don't want to bother this. this is, I know you see the skinny white guy with the bag this big. You know he ain't the Hulk because he would need more clothing. Get over it. And so I hate, I hate it when he was like, Hulk, I mean, David, I'm, I'm on to something. I hated that reporter. He just gave the life, gave the guy's life hard. Anyway, let's get on. Yes, you're awesome. There's plenty of... Excitement, but their giftedness is not just a blessing, it's a burden. It's a burden of potential alienation. Your giftedness can and will and does alienate you. Let me say it again. Teenage virgin. 
Imagine walking around, you know, it was God, y'all. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, praying, it was, it was God, y'all. Uh, I don't know about that one. It's, it's, I remember, uh, one of the funniest things comedian Chris Rock ever said was, was this idea of, of, of the guy who, who leaves the hood and goes off to college and gets the degrees as opposed to the guy who got locked up in prison and comes back to the hood. And he says, it's just amazing what happens. Here comes the guy who's from the prison. What's up, my man? All right, all right. Just from prison cell, block D. Woohoo! Yeah. Here come the brother with the master's degree. Made something out of himself. Gifted now. Got it going on. Oh, you think you're special now. So you got a bachelor's degree. You still can't beat my behind. There is ridicule. There is jealousy. There is potential social danger in being gifted. There's, there's, there's alienation. Elizabeth, the Bible says Elizabeth goes into hiding for five months. And I think for a couple of reasons. One of which is a potential rejection or ridicule or misunderstandings or jealousy. And in this, she becomes a gift, a haven for Mary whose blessing already makes her a freak show. I started playing the violin at age five. Man, I hated that sometimes. Getting on the bus with this violin. Man, Terrence played cello and tuba. Imagine carrying that on the bus. And it was a Chris Rock effect. Oh, Mr. Violin played. And they make jokes. Oh, they got jokes, you know? Here come the guys with the football helmet, the football jersey. Yeah, what's up? Got a game tonight. What you doing? I'm be playing in the band. Oh, so when I score a touchdown, you're going to play the fight song. Thank you there, buddy. You know, it's just the whole ridicule thing, the whole misunderstanding thing, the whole alienation. I mean, but, you know, there's a serious side. But I remember when I first, um, when Kelly and I, um, we weren't, I don't know if we were married then, but uh, she came home and and at my house, Mama cooks a lot, so she had this big thing spread out. And, and, and we... You know the Brown brothers, well, maybe y'all don't. We just ate. Looking back to see if this boy on the stove is eating. Hey, give me some more. And then it was time to go chill. After you eat, you got to chill. You know, down in the den. Our kitchen's up here, and in our, we kind of have like this half level, and then it's upstairs. And so we're in the kitchen, and we kind of go down these five steps down to the den. Woo. Football. Daddy's reading his newspaper. And all the dishes... And all the plates are still on the table. Because we know mama take care of it. She, her gift is caring for us, right? And I came upstairs, brothers, I should have stayed downstairs, you know. I came up and I saw Kelly and mom at the table like this, crying. (laughs) Oh Lord, what I walked into now. She was telling mom, how dare they leave you with this. How could they burden you like that? And Keller's like, I, I completely understand. I know how you feel. You're gifted to cook and you want to do it. And God's giving you that kind of hospitality thing. And they just leave you. And I understand your ridicule. I understand your alienation. And, and it was it was a beautiful time. It was hard, though. And I think for Elizabeth and Mary, they had times like that. Look at us, girl. This is messed up. Look at you, Mary. Man, that's really messed up. At least I can explain Zacharias. 
had a second awakening, something. But look at you, girl. I know what this means for you. We live in a fallen and sinful world in which what is a blessing and gift can alienate us and cut us off and belittle us and it's important or highlight our loneliness and we're tempted to bury it or hate ourselves or belittle the gift or hate or, or hate it. And, and, but th- there's this other extreme, which is to lift its importance. And if I think this is another reason Elizabeth went into hiding, is because you imagine this woman who was supposed to be 80 years old. I don't know how old she was. I'm guessing, y'all, 70, 60 something. But she was over the hill. She was beyond the time she should be doing such things and expecting such things. And, and so could you imagine her and people like, oh, that lady, pray. woo, she, she would be an automatic star. And, and, and there's the other side of it. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, I can't as a pastor, I, I re- it's hard for me, and, and I feel sad for um, you know stars that become Christians. What always happens, right? They've been movie stars all their lives. They're singing in the juke joints. They're singing the bad songs, and then they accept Jesus. What happens? They become the spokesperson for Christianity. I'll never forget Donna Summers. Oh, she's saved now, y'all. And when Donna Summers got saved, Jim and Tammy Faye had her right on the show. When vanity, oh yeah, y'all don't know about vanity, eh? Vanity got saved too. And next thing you know, she's a preacher. And she's on Oprah. And she's talking about how Lord, and, and I'm listening to some mixed, little mixed up stuff. You know what I'm saying. As far as Christianity is concerned, she's like a six month old baby. But she's out there, up front, preaching. And this is what happens. Sometimes our giftedness makes and puts demands on us, or people put demands on us that aren't supposed to be there. Or you put demands in your gifts in a way that it shouldn't be. And I think Elizabeth helps Mary here. She says, blessed are you based on what the Lord has done, what the Lord has accomplished. I mean, I think Mary would come back and, and look at some of the churches that I had and say, hey, look, y'all giving me a little too much hype. And if it happened then, if it happens now, you knew it would have happened then. If she told the story about the angel men, they would put Mary as the fourth person in the Godhead. And some have, unfortunately. You know what it's like? The kid that takes his gift at Christmas too far. You know, they get the cape and they really think they can fly. <laughs> That's what stardom is. God's given you a gift and you put demands on the gift. You're expecting the gift to make the, make your identity in such a way in which it shouldn't. And you're expecting the gift to do things it shouldn't do before you and before everybody else. Man, I was in Clemson. I was in a band and we had this guy. And he was about 20 years old. And he hadn't grown out of it. He still believed his toys or something did something. I don't know what it was. He was like, uh, he was standing like this. I'm like, what's your problem, man? What's your problem? Did you see the latest Terminator? I'm like, yeah, I did. Kind of backing up. I'm the T-3000. I'm like, Okay. I don't, he was like high up in the engineering department. I, I, I know he's smart, but something, you sure he didn't drink nothing at that engineering department? But 
This is what stardom does. It stretches almost to a breaking point. What makes you good? And this happens all the time in ministry. Guys who can preach. Guys who started churches. Who've done amazing things and led this one to the Lord. And man, don't have uh, famous people in your church. And all of a sudden people be then looking at the person. And they begin to change the names of their TV shows away from Jesus Fellowship. Or uh, Jesus Preached on TV. And they replace it with their name. Like Howard Brown Ministries. Welcome to the Howard Brown Show, which is church. It may not be that extreme with you, but we find our identity oftentimes in what gives us stardom. Sometimes we actually alienate people. We, by making them stars. I, I have to talk, I wonder, it must be hard even to be a musician at this church. They're so good. Sometimes some of the words that come to my mind, I guess gotta be careful of the, they sound so good. Jeremy, Marty, one day Marty even knocked the stool off. It's amazing how giftedness can alienate you. How it can be so good that that people put you in a place where now they love your gift and they don't love you. But the problem is we like being stars. So some of us have our giftedness and we don't mind people loving the giftedness. Because it's love, even though it's fake. It's love and respect and acceptance somehow, but it isn't real. You're playing Superman with the Superman cape when that happens. You're expecting your toys, your gift, to do something it shouldn't do. Heck, we may be truly gifted like Mary with real and necessary hope in some way for the world. A savior of sorts for your family and friends and clients and people we care for. What we may be is important and needed and people depend on it. I think about you mothers. Oh my goodness, how you've been gifted to have children and a husband and a family. And my goodness, or, or gifted to have children and not a husband and a family. And, and you, what you are is important and what, what people may have may be important to us. Feeling alive and hopeful, making us feel like stars. Some of you here, you must get a degree. No, you must get two degrees. No, you gotta get three degrees. You got to be PhD or MD. You are the hope of your family. You must perform well. It is and what is expected from those around you. You are the good kid. You must be good. You must be the perfect one. Oh, I look at your gift as you must be Superman or Wonder Woman, the one who can wash everyone else's dishes and cook everyone else's food and like it. Some of you are so gifted and you're you're so dependable that you are the one when everyone else is too busy to go to the movies or dinner. All they have to do is dial your number and in your dependable friendship and your gift there, you are willing to be used as a stand-in. Some of you are the mercy person. You must always have time and understanding and resources for others. And stardom, because of giftedness, makes people look past and forget you and only what you can do well. Stardom, because of giftedness, means you have lost who you are and why you are because of all the giving in your giftedness. And Elizabeth Nations, Israel, 
They're occupied by Rome, y'all. They're desperate for identity. They're desperate for some type of hope of a Messiah and a king and more than that and some light of hope that God lives and cares and loves his people. And Elizabeth and Mary are visited and invaded and gifted with that hope. And the worst thing people could do is look to them, the ones with the gift, instead of the gift itself. What the gift means. Listen to what this Mary says, what will be accomplished. Look at verse 30. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill of Judea. She's going to Elizabeth's house where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's uh, greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I'm sorry, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you are bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed. Hear, Hear this one. Blessed is she who has believed. That what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. I've done enough. We, we used to have, our church used to have, in Charleston used to have this relationship with the orphanage. I learned something about gift giving. You just can't give a gift. It means nothing to an orphan. Here, little Tim. See you later. Here, Becky. See you later. Just handing out gifts. I've learned better from my boys. It's the experience of being gifted and somebody outside of you, bigger than you, loving you, making the gift live. Making it be alive. You know what my boys do to me all the time? When I buy a toy, I know what it means. It doesn't mean I'm going to give them a toy and they're going to go away in a corner and leave me alone. Then they'll be like the T-3000 guy. They'll begin to live in fantasy world. But my boys do this. My boys say, Daddy, watch me. See my gift? See what you gave me? Look at my toy. Watch me, Daddy. Here I am. Make... My boys are smarter than the toy producers. Kids are. They're not looking for a toy to play with. They're looking at the gift as an experience to to have a relationship with those that gave them the gift. With an uncle, with a grandmama, with an aunt. Somebody who actually watches them use and play with the gift. It don't mean nothing. My sons don't like the toys that don't get my attention. And, And even my boys take it further. They know how I am. They'll take the car and they go, Daddy, watch this. And they'll jump it over something. Daddy, what was that? And you know me. Man, that was a wipeout 360. Crash him up. <laughs> yeah, Daddy. Woo, yes. Daddy, when I get a car, we're at the Hot Wheels wall. My, my Harrison loves some Hot Wheels. He Hot Wheels off. Daddy. Tell me about that car. Ooh, that's a four-barrel, 400 Cleveland. I'm just making stuff up. It blows everything off the road. And sometimes I have to make my voice bigger. Room. Oh, Daddy, yes. 
sings my praises. Daddy, yeah, all right. God, your gift only makes sense when God gives sight and caption to it. When God does like I do with my boy's truck, and you say, look, Lord, you've given me the ability to paint. And it isn't just in the paint. God's not just concerned about the paint. In fact, your heart truly isn't concerned about the paint or the photography or the music or whatever the Lord is, or, or, or the financial ability you have or whatever it is. God isn't concerned about that and neither are you. You want to say, Lord, tell me what this means. Make it real. Make it live. Make it right. Just like Mary, we come to God and say, look what we've got, it's a burden, it's an alienation, it doesn't make sense. Lord, what does it mean? He goes, it's a room, it's a this, it's a beautiful, it's vibrant, it's real, this is what your gift means. And so, if we're gifted, where do we go? We turn to God through Jesus Christ. And we say, Daddy, do you see me? And he says, yes. Daddy, what does this gift mean? What does it mean that I'm good? Make it real. I'm tired of living fantasy. I'm tired of living alone. This is what it means for my glory. You get the people. Who's watching over you? Who's watching as you open your gift? You know, that's half the, that's half the joy. You're opening your gift and your daddy's eyes are looking at you or the person. Yeah, look what I got. Click, click. You know something. Let me see that. Let me read the directions. Don't put it together wrong. Let me help you. It is for the relationship that brings glory to God. And you know what happens when you get the best toy in the neighborhood? You got to tell everybody. And everybody goes, man, your daddy is the bomb. Look what you got. You see, you mean the BAFF commercial? We don't make the products you buy. We make the products you buy better. Don't you know that God not only makes the gift, He makes the gift make sense. He makes the gift purposeful and alive only as it glorifies Christ. He makes a touchdown more than a score. He makes a business deal more than a deal. The care you give to your family more than babysitting. The instruments you play and the things you paint more than a sight and sound. He makes it about him and you and his purposes in Christ for you and this world. Jesus is a gift for the gifted because he assures that God is enjoying us and is honored by us and brings reason and caption and live play participation as we have a living and true and redeeming relationship with him. A gift for the gifted. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, speak your word to us like Elizabeth spoke to Mary. Minister to us in the burden and the alienation of, of our gifts. Let us let our gifts live and be alive with the relationship that you have offered in Jesus Christ and its overwhelming and awesome purpose in glorifying you 
in us and in this world. Let us turn to Christ to make sense of our lives. This Christmas, we praise you that Christ has turned to us to help us have reason and hope in our lives, in our giftedness. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.